From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya, tonight we are on episode 53 and we are talking about Space Brains, Surrey, that movie called Space Brains. You know Space that Brains, one? The ones with Neil Patrick as Harris <laughs> and the... That's Russian the one. ballerinas? No. Yeah. No, no. We are talking about a, a bit of a cult classic. Not so much a classic as we've been talking about, but a cult classic called Spoosh Brew Balls. I was going to say brains again. Yeah, balls <laughs> we have got the balls. In, I've got your balls in my hand. I've got other balls in my hand. I'm like juggling balls tonight and I'm juggling them out in space. It's Space Balls 1987. So go and watch, go this and watch it. Yeah, it's a spoiler warning. I it is. Nearly didn't get there. I know. Spoiler warning, of course. A lot of people haven't seen this film, but what are you going to find it when you go back and watch it? Who hasn't seen this movie? You already know a lot of things. Yeah. Because being being one of these cult classics, it's referenced heavily by people. Majorly. So go back and watch it and join us again as we break it down. We're going to break those balls down. (laughs) Uh, In this episode uh, 53, we'll reveal what we thought was... Good and great about the film. We're also going to go in the ins and outs of the narrative, talking a bit about some of the film language, plus a deep dive into May the Schwartz be with you. Sorry. And I might have a little chat about the latest updates in the world of warp drives and mm. faster than light travels. <laughs> because uh, there's been a couple of new. Stupendous. Is that? No. Ludicrous. Wait. Ludicrous. That's right. Hey, ludicrous speed. <laughs> I was thinking it's stupendous. That was that was another level there, right? Um, yeah, no, that sounds awesome. So, Space Brains, it did come out in 1987. Space balls. So, yeah, see, we say Space Brains so many times, I get a bit stuck. Space Balls. And my wife is always saying, you're off to do Space Balls tonight? <laughs> I couldn't even, I going to say it the other way around. And, and, and I'm always like, no, it's Space Brains. It's Space Brains. And no, finally, we are doing Space Balls. Uh, 1987, it's directed by Mel Brooks. It's also written by Mel Brooks. And Thomas Meehan and Ronnie Graham are part of the writing credits. So Spaceballs is about a hero and his trusty half-man, half-dog, Mog. 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 <laughs> I love that. No, okay, I'll get come back to it. Uh, uh, they set out to rescue a kidnapped princess from the clutches of an evil despot. Now, this film is a comedy. It's a spoof of Star Wars, Alien, Star Trek, and Planet of the Apes. Plus, a you know, the good old classic kind of hero's journey thrown in there as a good spoof. So make sure you also check out some of those films and maybe some of the films that you and I have talked about because 
it gives you so much more context, doesn't it, in the comedy of it, this film? It does. And we were talking about Gora as an earlier episode, which mm. was also yeah, the Turkish uh, film, a, a similar sort of comedy spoof, but it it tended to play off more recent films. It did totally because that was done in two thousand or something. So it yeah. was covering the Matrix, the Matrix. and Fifth <laughs> Element and stuff. Yeah, and this here is is. Almost, you know, largely Star Wars, yeah. but there's Star Trek and there's a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. And there's a there's a TV series and I cannot for the life of me remember what it's called. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone in the audience can let me know because yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to even look it up because I'm <laughs> that sort of crazy guy. Yeah. It was with the twins, the twin women. Oh, yeah. That I mentioned. So this TV series, it was about a garbage ship. I'm pretty sure it was a, a space garbage ship. And there was these two twin women on it and the um, captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's like a robot dude as well. And I can't remember. No, it's not Red Dwarf. No, I guess no. anyone's seen no, that. No. no, it's not that. But it's, it's, it's from the 80s, like before 87. Yeah. I, I cannot remember what it was called. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was someone out there, let us know. I remember watching it as a kid. And mm. yeah, so there we go. And I'm pretty sure there are a couple of more references in there from that one. But I think so. I wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, what was your number one takeaway from Spaceballs? What did, what did you pick up from this film? Uh, look, what I picked up about this is not so much about in the story, but <laughs> so if you're going to write a good, bad movie, you have to go all in. Yeah. Okay, so Spaceballs, it's a really well-made bad movie full of dad jokes and references that are so obvious. Yeah. You don't expect that they're actually going to do it. Yeah. But they do. Yeah. I mean, the joke, jamming the radar. Yeah. And they literally show a jar <laughs> jam hit a radar. Yeah, yeah. And then they continue the joke. They continue, as it, yeah. The raspberry. And there's only one person that would send me raspberry. Would give me the raspberry. <laughs> Everything is an opportunity for the worst kind of pun or reference or, ah, oh, jeez Louise. <laughs> So much so that you're going, oh, we're going to jam it. And you go, they wouldn't possibly. No, nope, there's the jar. I know, they say, it's, like, Bath takes it so seriously. All right, jamming the radio. And he pulls down, like, you know, the, ster- the periscope. Periscope. Uh, <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's what I took away from this movie is yeah. that you can't do a half measures. Mel Brooks knows he makes a certain style of film. Yes, definitely. And this film here. He just went, okay, I'm going to do a, a bad spoof. Mm-hmm. It's a B-grade movie, but it's a really good one. So great. Because yeah, he went I, all in I, and the whole lot uh, never breaks character, if mm. you like. There's, there's no point in this film where they're trying to be a serious film. No, and I mean, you in everything you've just said then, what came to my mind is this film even breaks that fourth wall. Several times. You know, like, so they... They turn to us and they say, do you get that? Like in terms of the plot, like we're going to rescue Princess Vespa. Otherwise, they will take all our air. Do you get that? And we have a direct look down the camera. You know, then later on uh, when they're fighting with the sabers, we literally like, you know, he cuts down a crew crew member. I I didn't do it. You did it, you know. And so, yeah, there's literally like the fourth wall is completely broken. Mel Brooks has done in a couple of these films. He does, yeah. Blazing Saddles basically ends with it all being a film set. Yeah. I remember as a kid being completely confused because, uh, you know, it required a bit of more mature thinking. It does, yeah. construct that all within the realms of the film and so so i think i think he's mastered that in this film a lot of people say this was not peak mel brooks and mm, he does have yeah. a couple of films which are 
uh, maybe a little bit more polished in a way. But mm. this one here is, it's just, yeah, it's, I've seen plenty of really bad science fiction films. Yeah. But they were trying so hard to be mm. serious and good. Yep. But they just didn't make it, whether that be lack of funding, lack of time, lack of the uh, actors yeah. available and so forth. But this one here, uh, the good actors, you know, experienced comics mm. and um, enough special effects to do what they needed to do. Yeah. But yeah, it was just a well-executed B-movie. It's fantastic. Mm. And maybe we should just talk straight away about our sort of viewing experience of this film because of what you've just said. Because... I've got to say, as a kid, I watched this. I mean, 1987, I was a kid. Maybe I saw it a couple of years later. I'm not too sure. But, like, I got confused on this film versus Star Wars, as in the Star Wars universe. Mm. So, obviously, by 1987, we've already had a couple of Star Wars films all, out, all, right? The, all three. All so three. It was 84, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, they're, they're already all out. Uh, however, I'm I'm reasonably young, even when Spaceballs comes out. So maybe maybe at around the age of eight or nine, I'm watching Star Wars and Spaceballs all at the one time, <laughs> and kind of thinking like Barf and Lone Star are Luke Skywalker, <laughs> you know, like like and Pr- Princess Vespa is. Uh, uh, yeah, Vespa, isn't it? That's yeah. her name. Yeah, uh, Princess Vespa is Princess. Like, like I'm kind of confused on it, as in the universe. You know, like mm. this is just some sort of extended universe because, like, there's a lot of symbolic um, connotation that Mel Brooks has taken on that you, you go, yeah, yeah, that's not Yoda. That's not the Lone Star. Is not Han Solo. But then, as a like an eight year old, I'm like. Yeah, this is the same world. <laughs> like, it's not that different, is it? You know, like, as an adult, you can see the differences. But as a kid, I remember distinctly kind of being quite sucked into Spaceballs and thinking it was serious, like, like or thinking it was the same world and just a bit abstract. I don't know, what was your experience of this? Do you remember watching yeah, this I when was, you were younger? I was in year seven or eight. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, watching on VHS. Yeah, yeah. It had been out for well, a while. Well, I was the same, yeah, VHS and or TV. Yeah, I, I, no, I fully knew because I'd, I'd heard from people saying that it was a, you know, a, a parody or it was, uh, well, what, what did I call it back then? Because I don't think I had the terms parody or satire or spoof. No, it was like a, you know, a, a funny take on Star yeah. Wars. I think they used to say slapstick, didn't they? And, as a, as and I watched word. it with that in mind. Mm. But the problem was... As a 13-year-old, I don't think I got a lot of it. Yeah. Because now that my repertoire of uh, movies and science fiction mm. and storytelling yeah, and yeah. imagery uh, and even just being able to pay attention to verbal dialogue and references yeah. <laughs> is a lot better. And breaking the fourth wall. like and You don't, yeah, you don't really get that. Didn't, like didn't confuse me. No. Like, yeah, so, so it's quite good. And I think... We are sooner or later going to ask the question about whether this was a classic or not. Yeah, well, I, I thought of the question like, why, sorry, is this not a classic? I think it's not a classic. It, it almost is, but it doesn't. It doesn't break any new ground, and it doesn't like um, redefine any genre or mm. or any of that. So it doesn't yeah, quite yeah. do that. But it's definitely cult, and, yeah. and the. The way I pick up on a cult movie is it's the sort of movie 
the first time you watch it, it's usually, huh, right, okay. You know, it's, I, I find that cult movies you tend to be left a little bit uncertain, maybe a bit f- almost flat where you're not, you're not sure, was that really good or really bad or was mm. it something else or was it just kind of a movie? Yeah, that's Until fair maybe a day or two later and someone says, oh, did you watch Spaceballs? Yeah. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when he, you know, they're going to warp speed and he goes to ludicrous speed and, goes to, and, and you start <laughs> thinking about it and you, you kind of start chuckling to yourself and you go, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's actually really funny. Yeah, yeah. When you're watching it, it's kind of, and again, when I was watching this this time around, you're asking about experiences, mm. I was watching it and I started off sort of with a bit of a, a you know, some of the gags I sort of going, oh, that's right, oh, groan, groan. <laughs> And then I found myself actually <laughs> yeah, laughing, laughing and anticipating when they're going to say the next yeah, stupid yeah. thing. You're like, you know, well, I'm not Yoda the Amazing, the whatever, yeah. yogurt. Yogurt. I'm just plain yogurt. Plain yogurt, yeah. <laughs> and even that, it's just like, oh, that is so bad. I, yeah. I, was, I was chuckling on the yeah, train. Yeah. I, was just, I was watching this on the train and yeah. I, was, I was grinning and yeah. laughing more than I ever did yeah. previous watching it. Yeah. And that's the way, you know, it's a good cult movie, like mm. a comedy, because I was same with... Um, Spinal Tap. Yeah. So I watched this is Spinal Tap for the first time, and I was kind of like, "Oh yeah, okay." And then days later, I was talking to someone else about it, mm. and we kept referencing parts of it and going, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." yeah. And then I watched it maybe about three or four years later, mm. and I was nodding and smiling along yeah. with it. And I watched yeah. it a third time a few years after that. Yeah. And yeah, I was. I wasn't laughing out loud because I rarely laugh out loud, but I definitely, yeah. I, you I felt was, it in your loins. I was definitely <laughs> feeling my, my, my stomach contracting, my yeah. sort of breathing, suffering. Let for, it out, sorry. Let laughter. it out. Let it and, out. And that's the way it is. And the same yeah. you get with like the Princess Bride. Yeah. The first time I watched that, it was kind of like, oh yeah, okay. Mm. That's kind of a fun little story. Yeah, yeah. But then you talk about it with someone else afterwards and you realize all these parts just really yeah. stick into your head. Yeah. You know, the uh, Billy Crystal's Medicine Man. This is <laughs> Miracle Max. Yeah. And, and the, yeah. you know, and, and Andre the Giant. Andre carrying it, you know, climbing up the rope. I love that Yeah, he's moment. just yeah. climbing up the rope. Says, yeah. oh, he's, you know, hurry up, he's catching yeah. Yes, but he's not carrying three people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah and that's, that's this movie through and through. When I was watching it now, going back, yeah. and... As I said at the spoiler warning, mm. if you haven't seen the film, you will have heard of it. You will have yeah, heard yeah, of, of Ludicrous course. Speed. Yep. Elon Musk is clearly a Spaceballs fan <laughs> because he, the Tesla comes with Ludicrous Speed. He could let us know if he is or not. You yeah. Know what he thinks about Spaceballs. And there was, oh, he had another reference in Tesla about Spaceballs. I can't remember what it is now. Oh, well, he did his merchandising. Mm. He did Tesla, the flamethrower. Yeah. Which... I couldn't believe that he actually like it's, yeah. it's 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 not a military flamethrower. It's got like a glorified blowtorchy. The kids thing. will love it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's just you know, this is a twenty thousand dollar blowtorch, mm. and it's sold out. Yeah. Um. So Elon must love spaceballs. So you will have heard of spaceballs. Yeah. You will have, uh, yeah. Well, even, you know, I think, uh, or you're going to send me off on little tangents, but I think, you know, like the definition with movies of a cult classic uh, tends to be that you get a following of the film Mm. that are very devoted to the film. 
And so it doesn't really matter if that's like a hundred people or 10,000 people or whatever, but like a cult classic or a cult movie tends to have this diehard group of fans that are like, you know, yeah, they quote the movie, they talk about the movie, they get together and they watch the movie, right? So that's kind of like a, a bit of a classic definition. But I think the, 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 the deeper side of when quite often when we do talk about cult is what you just displayed then, sorry, which is remembering watching this film mm. when you were younger and also like having good times and then even noticing like even now that you're a little bit older, you're still laughing, you're still following the I, jokes, I you're still going more at, space yeah. this time than ever just because I got more of it and I knew what I was expecting to come up mm. and kind of it's cringeworthy. You go, are you really yeah, going to do that? <laughs> Are you chicken? What's wrong, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? And you just... Oh, you can't... But I, 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 how can you possibly write that line and keep it in the movie and not just go, that is totally ridiculous. Yeah. You know, like, but no, but there's, there. And then, you know, my Schwartz is bigger than your Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our Schwartz are the same size. All right, let's fight. And, you know, my, you know I, I, I've got one thing to tell you, Lone Star. I am your father's old friend that lived next door to him during college. And it's like, and their nephew's son. You know I mean? It's like so ridiculous, but playing off that idea. But I think there's always that, yeah, it's cringeworthy factor with comedy. But yeah, with cult movies overall, I think it's like where you get together with other people and you can kind of enjoy a movie. But I think on for me personally as well, it's like, does the movie keep resonating into the future? Mm. So it's like, you know, you and I watched this when we were kids and we probably thought, like for myself, I was like, is this part of Star Wars? <laughs> is this like another Star Wars movie? Like I was convinced on that and then I probably watched it when I was a teenager with other boys at a sleepover, that kind of thing. God, haha, yeah, it's funny, it's stupid, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, you know, Bath is like, you know... Um, Chewbacca, but he's crap, you know, like like that kind of teenage humor. And then watching it like in my 20s and kind of going, yeah, it's funny, it's a bit cringeworthy, or maybe it hasn't lasted. And then now coming at it, you know, um, later in life and going, oh, yeah, like there's heaps of dad jokes in this movie. There's mo There's moments like Colonel Sanders where you go, Oh, that's pretty bad. But then there's other moments like I'm just blowing yogurt. <laughs> You're like, that is funny. Like yeah, that funny. is like it is funny. You know, and even like the Schwartz, like and the joke about the Jews, like you know yeah, the, the Jewish princess, <laughs> Jewish princess, Jewish princess. You wouldn't, but you wouldn't be able to tell. You know, like <laughs> like you know, like those kind of jokes. You're like, that's pretty funny. Like there's yeah. there is funny stuff in there it was a know? good that's a good setup there because it's the planet yeah. druidia <laughs> yeah. and it's the druids and you're yeah, okay yeah. Yeah. like you know it's, it's, it's obviously very, playing off some sort of ancient mythology yeah. it's, it's getting a bit of mythos to it no it's got the juju but then referring to it as a <laughs> druish princess so is, you know i didn't think she was yeah which mel brooks can't help it every yeah Every, that, every that movie he thing. has it's just always there's got to be a juju joke Jew in jokes. there yeah. that's that's who he is that's I think he famously said something like um, that he is Jewish, but like he doesn't see himself so much as Jewish. But it's like, oh, I'm part of the club, you know. <laughs> like that's his joke, and um, you know, like it's a it it comes through in all of his stuff. So this movie in particular was one of his most expensive. Uh, the producers costing about a million, but making millions. Uh, well, this one, yeah, it went on to a stage show. Yeah, it's, it's continued to make money not only for him, but you know a lot of people that invested in it, and it's obviously a great movie and a great 
uh, stage show. I've seen both. Uh, I've seen all three actually. Now, when I think about, it. I've seen the I've seen a live version, a, a stage show. I've seen the old movie, and I've also seen the more recent version of it. Uh, you know, with Matthew Broderick, Broderick and stuff. Um, and it's a great movie. Like it's really great. I think it probably the younger the audience gets, they probably lose a bit of the context of Nazis and stuff. But you know, it's there. And you can see in Spaceballs, because Star Wars has it, you don't even have to, like, reference it in Spaceballs, but because Star Wars has it, it feels like the Nazis, right? Like, the well, bad guys are the Nazis. But, of course, Spaceballs does reference it slightly, where um, Vespa's spaceship comes up at the dock, <laughs> and the soldier guard fellow goes to get her, and, mm. uh, you know, um, Dark Helmet says, no, wait, leave her to me. And... He goes and you know, stamps his foot back in a place and goes, Yeah, full. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah, and there's that sideways look kind of where it's like, <laughs> Hey, everyone, audience. What did, did he you, do? What was that about? Did it's you just, notice that? Yeah. Look at me, look at me. Kimmy, yeah. look at me, look so at me. So that, that was the only reference that I could spot, but it was, and it's relatively subtle because I, I think. Yeah, many people may not have picked it up, but no. uh, if you, you know, I've watched well, Jews, Nazis, you got to always kind of like go together, don't they, you? You got to. <laughs> they shouldn't go together. They should be no. kept well apart. But nonetheless, so then tell me though, is this a hope warning or an experiment? This is a hopeful film, Surrey. You know, we got the hero saves the day, saves the princess. The princess saves herself in a way. Uh, good defeats evil. I think this is just pure hope. Yeah, so the, the hero achieves his special destiny. Yeah. Which, again, is this, this classic setup of yeah. where he was uh, abandoned at a monastery. And then, what did you. Uh, the monks never told No, they took a vow of silence. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I get it right down. But then I have this necklace as a special thing. Mysterious and necklace. Yogurt says to him, Well, I will tell you the answer to that, but when the time is ready. Yes, of yeah. course. Which, you know, like the funny thing is, right, in this film it's being presented in a comedy light but it, you know a couple of episodes ago we talked about the matrix morpheus is just as annoying right like he's uh, saying well i can only show you the path but i'm not going to tell you the <laughs> like yeah it's like oh god just tell him what the matrix really is you know like it's the same here isn't it yeah i guess it's the it, same there's, concept there's many many movies where it is like and that. you know, you know. I get uh, Yoda, like it's the same thing. Like he says, Luke, you know, you must, you know, well, learn to the, wield the sword the before the mentor. sword wields you, you know, like. <laughs> so what was that show where there's just a guy spoke in every one of those? Ever get that's the only way he spoke. He was like this wis- like, wise, yeah. wise uh, you know, old man. Mm. And he'd always sort of says, you know, he'd exactly the same thing. He's like, uh, I'd, I'd go, but I'm afraid. Hmm, you must master your fear before your fear masters <laughs> Well, the karate you. kid's like that, right? Like and the karate Everything kid's like he that, said, right? and only the hero of the show kept looking at him going, you're just saying the same thing twice reversed. Like, mm. this is ridiculous. Yeah. What was your favorite scene? Oh, geez. Okay, my favorite scene was... Well, okay. Again, this is one of those amongst the many. But <laughs> yeah, the one, you want, we want one. We want the, one. The first on. scene I came across that made me have a chuckle was the wedding, opening wedding, actually, where mm. Vespa's walking up and they, they, they have a couple of, you know, pauses. stops and pauses <laughs> and, and the, the organist is looking a bit pissed off about this. Yeah. And the um, 
the, the, the conductor, the wedding conductor. <laughs> the priest. The celebrant. The celebrant. He sits there and says, and so approaches the beautiful bride. And then she's off and down the running. She's <laughs> running on the ramp. She's jumping in her car. And like it just yeah. turns into a, uh, a sports commentary. <laughs> That was, that, was, that was lovely. That, it, you said I, Prince's Bride. It was a bit of a similar start to the yes. Prince's Bride. Like, Marriage. Marriage. <laughs> I, 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 I forgot that whole yeah. that scene. That's yeah, why me too. I, yeah. So I was watching it the first time and yeah, the, he just burst into this commentary, commentary mm. as she's running on down the thing and jumping the thing and, and everyone's and just kind of entertaining. The robot's just holding on to her. Joan Rivers. Well, her voice. Her anyway. voice, yeah. Yeah, that's, that was funny. Uh, it was funny, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in there, and then off she shoots out of the um, shield around yes. the planet. So, are you up to anything yourself, creatively or science fictiony or in betweeny? Uh, what's going on in the world of Surrey? Oh, I've been working on the new Space Brains um, material. We do. We have. We've been promising a logo for about a month now. I think. Yeah. So that's. <laughs> That's come back from the it cleaners. It is. New website. And there's a new website up and yep. coming. And some other exciting and bits and bobs to uh, do with that. I've finished. I've started editing my audiobook, so that'll be nice. Yes. And, I think last time you were talking uh, about it. Yeah, so started a, a writing group. Yeah, cool. First meeting was last week when yep. we weren't recording. Yep. It was just me. It but was that's just okay. you. That was the intention. The intention. I wanted to find a space where that's a good management work. meeting, isn't it? Well, I had a, I held a management meeting on Monday. It was just me. It was me. Hundred percent attendance. Hundred <laughs> percent. Way to go. So yeah, I've, that's that's what I've been doing. Build that's, it and they will come. Sorry, build it and they will come. Yes. Well, that's that's the thing. I needed I needed a space. I needed yeah. to start going. And at that writing thing, I was continuing writing this. Uh, screenplay because mm. I've never written a screenplay. I've heard it'd be a good challenge. Here awesome. I'm talking about them all the time. Yep, yep. And um, realize they're a bit harder than what you thought. <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't actually got into screenplay part. I'm just writing all of the background. Yeah, the the, the bible stuff. You know, so yeah, it's similar to writing a novel at this point. Yeah, of course. But yeah, transferring that into scenes and so on. I've, I've, you got to be lean and mean. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Interesting to have a go at. Because, well, I did the audio script yeah. before, which was, that took a little while for me. It took a, mm. a season and a half for me to start getting into the flow of how to do that. Yeah. So if you listen to the Exit Plan audio drama, mm. the first season was a budget version uh, as I was sort of learning the ropes. I think, I think it turned out okay. Yeah, it was good, man. Season two and three picked up the pace a bit and the... Um, the, the audio design and so forth yeah sort of got, went up. I went from the first season, I think I maxed out at about eight or 12 tracks mm. going at, at, you know, for the episode up to, I hope to like 37 tracks for yeah, some right. later ones. So that's all the, all the sound effects and the backgrounds and the um, convos and all the rest of it. Sound. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So I'll, I'll see how that translates then into a... a a script, yeah, and depending on how I go on that, I might actually just write a book out of it. Is this just a totally new original idea? Not that you have to divulge the idea, yeah, but yeah, just... oh, this is based off my short novel, ah, okay, Hansel and Gretel. Ah, okay, so I, I really yeah, started getting into that. that that world and I've, and I've enriched that a bit. It's... I thought you were going to make that like a tele series thing, yeah, it is, yeah, okay. yeah, so yeah. uh, 
three seasons of eight episodes is what I've decided. Okay. That'll work quite nicely. Mm. Uh, and it's a fairy tale style. So there's different tiles. I don't know if we've spoken about this here, but there's different, what do you call it, themes or um, motifs you might use mm. for telling a story. Mm. And yeah, you can do a parable where you're using like sort of animals and objects and other things yeah. to, to do stuff. Or you could do it a sort of a documentary style. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and this one here is more of a fairy, t- fairy tale style. Mm. So yeah, interesting. you've got the number three and you've got, um, you know, you always have like three lessons and three people. And okay. Three so there's, yeah. So there are, there are three primary characters and there are three seasons, if you like, three parts. Okay. Which largely tell a story of each of those three, but it all makes a whole uh, sort of arrangement. Okay. And sounds good. And yeah, there's is um, pulling in from as if from Hansel and Gretel and some other mm. fairy tale, Fables. grim fairy tales style of concepts involved. Mm. Nothing quite so obvious as some of the recent or more recent fairy tale inspired TV, which you know, like the Once Upon a Time and yeah. Grim and mm. oh, I know there's another one. I just can't remember what it is, but mm. you know. There you go. So I've got to say, I got the dictionary encyclopedia, whatever you want to call it. I can't quite remember the name of the book about 10 years ago of the Grimm Tales. It's like a dictionary. It's massive, you know, a thousand pages or something. And you start reading those original versions of Cinderella or whatever, you know, some of that Snow White. And you're like, far out. These are nothing like the Disney version no, that was bit. like, and at that, Nasty. at the start of that book, there's a few pages just uh, explaining the Grimm brothers and like, yeah, they traveled all over Germany and they collected fables from local little towns. Some of the stories were not theirs at all. Like they came, like they heard these stories and they just put them in their books. Uh, but there's no records of, you know, oh, this came from Surrey, for example, you know, like of this little town in Germany. You know, they they kind of, the Brothers Grimm travelled, apparently, according to this book, like they travelled all over Germany and kind of collated stories, plus created their own stories. But some of those classics, there's, there's heaps and heaps of stories in this book I've got of theirs, um, but like some of the classics that you do know, like the modern day version, like Cinderella or Snow White or whatever, it's like, wow, you read the <laughs> Brothers Grimm version, you're like, oh, it's nothing like the Disney mm. version. It's so much bleaker. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and, and my take and darker on, and, you know, on yeah. this is, it's hard for me to be totally bleak. I, I am a naturally you're an optimistic yeah. person. You're nothing like me. So it's very hard to, to be truly <laughs> dark, but. Yeah, I like the dark. Bring me I, the dark. I do like, I I do like mystery. Yeah, I think I think everything I like to write, and there's those two things. We mm. one of these, you know, delving into into what what turns you on. Yeah, to, to stories. Yeah, and mine is I like um, mystery. Like you know, like for, what do you call it? Sort of the hinting at larger pictures. Mm. Um, but I also then like these sort of. Um, Redemptiony style stories or change right. growth coming to positivity sort mm. of a story um, in various forms. Yeah, yeah. So I've sort of combined those two ideas here in this. This story has got a lot of just unexplained mythology, if mm. you like. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so good getting to the base root of mm. what it is that tickles you, isn't it? Like it, it's really interesting. I think if you can really as a writer, sink your teeth into what does it for you, 
Mm, yeah, I'm not. Sorry. I'm not coming up with this concept, but I've, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this concept before. But it's like, as a writer, if you understand what is it that you want to do and write about, like what tickles your fancy, and then trying to write then stories that tickle you, mm. <laughs> suddenly you're you're going down a pretty interesting pathway. Yes, almost as interesting as spaceballs. It is. So let's get back on spaceballs now. <laughs> And have a bit of a brief overview of the plot, cast, and crew. Yes. So, look, as we mentioned, Mel Brooks directed and written this, and we've talked about Mel Brooks' producers. Uh, there's a Dracula film that he did. There's a war movie he did. And they're all comedy spoof kind of movies. Uh, but also Thomas Meehan and Ronnie Graham were part of the, the script writing process of this. Uh, let's run through some of the actors as well. Um, Mel Brooks does play President Scroob and Yogurt. Uh, probably almost the two best roles in the film, apart from Barf, played Barf, by John Candy. John Candy. I mean, John Candy played a massive up, you know, sorry, not up, I was going to say, massive like role in so many movies that I watched as a kid. You know, like he was really influential and it was very sad that he died so young. Um, uh, Rick Moranis as well. I mean, how much is this an 80s movie? I mean, come on. Yes, Without yeah. Rick Moranis. And do you know that Rick Moranis doesn't act anymore? He's totally thrown in the towel. He threw in the towel in something like 2002, 2003 to raise his kids. Like, he just he just stopped. Like, yeah, he, I, like I saw the movie. They got too big. <laughs> they they returned to their normal size and he couldn't handle it, right? Oh, okay. Um, no, but he just, he literally stopped. Like, there was gigs for him and he just was like, no, walked away from Hollywood, right? Like, and he's never returned. Which is, good, good on him. I, I don't know about that. Sorry, I disagree. I, but anyway, saying, from, Bill, the, from the point of view of, of yeah, from being a dreams, father, right? he's that, doing his yeah, thing. that's a different podcast. Okay? okay, tune into our other podcast about being a dad. Um, Bill Pullman uh, got a bit lucky here. This is his second role, right? Yes. In his biggest, his first major role. Yeah, play. his biggest role, right? Uh, apparently, Mel Brooks had offered this role to Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks, who both said. No. <laughs> could you imagine Tom Cruise? <laughs> I can't imagine Tom Cruise, but I could imagine Tom Hanks. Because Tom Hanks is pretty yeah, funny. Geez, it would have been a different movie, though. It would have been. Yeah. But th- th- I don't know. I don't know. Because I've seen a lot of Tom Hanks. Like, he does a lot. He's done a lot of Saturday Night Live sketches. Uh, and when you go back to 1987, you remember, like, Big was like 1992. Like, there's comedies with, with Tom Hanks, right? Turner Big and Hooch and stuff. Wasn't 92? Yeah. No, I saw that when I was in high school. Well, it was. When was I it in was. High school? It was 92. about 1992, man. Anyway, Bill Pullman. Oh, I was in high school in 1992. Yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> Do the math. But, but like you know, he's gone on. Bill Pullman. I mean, ten years later, he's the president in Independence Day. Another movie that we need to come to at some point. Sorry, for Independence Day. Independence we Day. will do that. Spoiler warning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm acting like people care what the episode that we're about to come up with. I oh, know that's funny when you think about it. Uh, and then, anyway, really, we go through Daphne, uh, who I have no idea what's happened to her because I didn't Google her. Uh, Dick Van Patten plays King Roland. He's been in a whole bunch of shit, but I would have no idea what it is. George Weiner plays Colonel Sanders. Isn't that such a great name? I mean, geez, come up, yeah. It's like saying someone's like Ronald McDonald, right? Like Captain Ronald McDonald. Um, 
Michael Winslow. Now, what else has Michael Winslow been in? Police, so, Police Academy. <laughs> and uh, Mel Brooks said he saved them about $1,000 from the sound effects that he just committed in this film. Yeah, I, I, well, I right. noticed a few of them in there. That, yeah. Which wasn't... You, you didn't see him doing them, but you hear no. them and you're going, yep, that's definitely Michael The Winslow. beep beep and the doo-doo is not working no more. Yeah. Uh, Joan Rivers, of course, is the voice of Dot Matrix. She's not actually Dot Matrix, but she does play the voice. Which is great, and um, John Hurt plays John Hurt for the Alien segment. Now, this film was just literally filmed in LA, California. You know, like you can't get out of LA Hollywood. Good old spoof movies; they don't even try. Now, Mel Brooks did say this was his biggest budget, and it was twenty-two million. Compare it to the producers, which was only about ten years earlier or twelve years earlier or something, was a budget of one million. Uh, so he was a bit frightened with how big the budget was with this. Uh, however, it did make a steady profit and came in with $38 million at the box office. So he did okay at it. Um, so so I think it was like overall quite a, a big success for him in that way. Critics didn't love this movie from I, what I could gather. See, that's the whole thing with cult movies. As I said, you tend to watch it the first time and you you're kind of left a bit ambivalent. I mm. always find it's only when you get and start talking to someone else, particularly someone else who secretly liked it, like you mm. secretly liked it. Yeah. And then you mention one thing and they mention, you start bouncing off each other and you, you suddenly realize. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's like I watched the Napoleon Dynamite. Oh. And I watched that the first time and Pip and I no. we just looked at you, at the end of it, just looked at the other and just went, I, I think that was a good film. <laughs> And we, we, we left it and, and we remember uh, we had to, we we're going around, we didn't have to, we we're going around to a friend's place mm. like the following weekend and during mm. the week. But I told him, oh, you know, we should, uh, we should watch a movie or something over there. Mm. And then we started talking about Napoleon Dynamite mm. and like quoting lines of it and, yeah. thing, and we went, gee, that's such a funny film. Yeah, yeah. Holy crap, I enjoyed that. Yes. And so we took that and we watched it. And again, my friend, he had that same sort of, yeah, um, okay, okay kind of expression. I think I liked that. But, but then, of course, the following week or so, we sort of mentioned things, and he's like, "Yeah, actually, that's that's a really, yeah. really funny film." Like, really I funny. and look, we won't go into it because it's not science fiction, but I think Napoleon Hill is like oh such a great film. Like, it's it's good on so many levels. I I liked it from day one, but probably a very comparable film is Donnie Darko, Donnie which Darko. is a little bit science fictiony because there's time travel time travel or de- daydreamy or you know like energy in your dreams i'm not too sure but that is the donnie darko i think everything you just said is kind of more my experience with donnie darko when i first watched it that you watched it and i was like that is a good movie but then i'm like but is it yeah. like really like not much happened and it was even like a bit teenagey but then like a couple of days later i'm like yeah but they even commented it that in the movie, it's teenagey. Mm. Like he says, like this is what I just want to. I just want to kiss you, you know. Like he says lines like that in the movie, and I'm also like, yeah. And the climax, it's without spoiling. Like it's, like it's not very like good. Like it's kind of a bit like the action is kind of shot. And then you're like, is like, yeah. I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> And Drew Barrymore's character. And even then that weird fat guy that like is watching them. Like it was like, what the, you know, and then, and then I've watched it. I've watched Donnie Darko a lot uh, over the years. I've I've done it with my students as well. And every time you watch it, you're like, oh my God, this is like layered 
Mm. Like you wouldn't it's believe. It's one of my and, and wa- you, yeah. It's one of my wife's fa- my, my wife's favorite film. Yeah, it's a it's such a layered film. And Patrick Swayze in that movie, yeah, he's <laughs> done some good movies, right? But that is like a a cameo kind of role in a way in a movie, and he just blows it apart. You know, like it's incredible. And, and that's but the, anyway, that's why I'm should. not surprised that the critics. The critics are sort of saying, "Yeah, I don't think the late. critics like Donnie, and they don't like Spaceballs." A bit late to the <laughs> film. Well, I can't blame it. If I was being a critic watching it, I sort of go, "It's, you know, you're not going to come in here." And this ain't Star Wars, and it's yeah. not sort of its own thing. You know, yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's a little bit late to the party. Star yeah. Wars was you know, a few years prior. This mm. this come out sort of within moments. You know, maybe yeah, uh, it has that feeling of being a yeah, it's. It looks like a a B movie. You know, like the, the mm. costumes are kind of a little bit silly. The all the dialogue is just, as I said, cringe. Almost every other line is just the worst kind of pun or play on yeah. words or, you know, comedic references. With every now and then they have a bit of a longer set up joke. Yep. But that, as we said, is is what makes it all work. Yeah. And if I was a critic at the start, you'd be kind of going, "This is not a mm. great material." How can a critic like this film? (laughs) Anyway, let's get stuck into some of the major plot points and a little bit about the film language. So this film starts with a pretty epic sound uh, orchestra opening that's not too far off Star Wars. Not too far. And maybe mixed in with Indiana Jones or something, I don't know. But it's it's a pretty epic kind of upbeat sort of music. And there's that rolling font text scroll that we get for Star Star Wars. Wars. The crawl. (laughs) And there's even like, they tell us that, you know, there's a planet and there's another planet, Spaceballs, that have stupidly used up all the air and they're going to steal (laughs) their life. How do you do that? Yeah, I don't know. How do you stupidly use up all the air? And so they've got an opportunity with this princess and then like what's great about it, but which sets the tone I felt was there's two things Mel Brooks does at the start here that I think really sets the tone is that then at the end of all that uh, Star Wars crawling text which is quite serious you know like they're stolen the air they're going to do this the princess blah 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 right it's like then after the text is disappearing it just brings up a bit of a text saying if you can still read this you don't need your eyes checked right like so that sets a bit of a tone there doesn't Mm. it you know like it's just telling you that the music is epic the font is epic it's very similar to Star Wars but we're taking the piss don't take this seriously and likewise, then it cuts to this opening shot of a spaceship, which is the same as the Star Wars opening. And this spaceship goes on and on and on. Oh, it's, like, it's like it's and, bigger and, and bigger and, and more it just and more goes on. More and more detail. It's, it's incredible crazy. the detail of this ship, you know. And again, this whole film, when it was made, 87, they didn't go special effects as in computers and shit. This is the real stuff, right? So this is some sort of model. It's got the little fairy lights going on and they haven't, like, that's the thing. You could say B grade. I quite often, you know, you've been saying B grade or B grade, but I'm kind of looking at this going, wow, this is pretty impressive. Like, this is not, like, this is a model mate. Like, they've gotten a model maker to make that. And even the costumes, like, even when we get into the costumes, like, the costumes are kind of deliberately funny. You know, but they're but they're well made costumes. You know, they're not kind of crappy costumes. You no, know, and, that's... and um, but anyway, this spaceship goes on and on and on and on and on, and it has all these different details, these different pipes and all this, and then it turns and it says it has a bumper sticker, right? 
it says we don't break for nobody, you know, like and it, as it zooms off into space. So there's like there's the, the whole joke there, uh, and even with the music, it's like it's almost a bit dun 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 dun. Like it repeats. Like you got to be, you know, like like that's the thing. Like I think when you're a kid and watch that, you don't kind of get that. But you, as an adult, you go, "That is funny." Like there's yeah. a, there's a good joke there. Because if the the, uh, the the song sort of or the music track reaches its natural sort of ending, yeah. which you you can hear there's this music technique which tells mm. you how to make something sound like it's coming to an end. Yeah. But the spaceship's continuing <laughs> on and getting yeah. bigger. Yeah. So yeah. So the, the, the music track just repeats. starts again. Yeah. Yes, it's that's great. So it's a fabulous opening, and it does connect to George Lucas. And a little tidbit is that George Lucas did watch this film, and he did give Mel Brooks a you know a round of applause. But I did think, well, you'd be a bit of a sore loser not to. Yeah. <laughs> it would show. It would show that he, if George Lucas is saying it, yeah, but you didn't get this right factually, or you know, like it would show that he's a bit of an asshole, wouldn't it? But Whereas, like the, you know, the other joke, of course, was that this film has a whole yogurt. Um, uh, merchandising, mm. yeah, merchandising. <laughs> As, but he wasn't allowed to do any merchandise yeah. for this film because George Lucas basically said, "Your action figures will look too much like mine." Too much. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, but he did give them, and I think it's. I it doesn't. I could see online they talked about, it, and I think it's when they they escape. There's actually a little bit of footage that is from Star Wars. It was unused footage. And it's the, I'm sure from what I can figure out, it's when the at the end of the film when they're all escaping from the mothership, and it's just that little bit of footage of the little module popping oh, off okay. into space. Yeah, that's so like... there's there's so that so what I'm trying to say here is that yeah George Lucas the guys at Star Wars whatever they gave over that footage to these guys to use because it was never used in Star Wars. Yeah. So they shot it, but then they said, well, it's not good enough, whatever, and they gave it to them. That and to makes me, more I, think, sense. I didn't yeah. know about that because it makes sense at the end there. You see, you can tell it's the same footage. Yeah. Of the, every time the skate pod left, you see this exact. It's just the replication. Exact, and you can tell yeah. it's the same footage. Yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> it's not just a very similar. So when piece. the bearded lady gets in and yeah. the and the bear gets in. Yeah, well, it's a circus. He's, he's telling the circus to escape. And there's a, literally a circus, right? Like, yeah, it's a, it's a good payoff. <laughs> so anyway, this this ship yeah. is flying in with. With all this stuff in the future that's going to happen, it's incredibly funny, and you'll be amazed. And, and I, I believe we do have uh, Dark Helmet, villainous Dark Helmet, <laughs> and his uh, compatriot, the Colonel, Colonel Sanders. Sanders. <laughs> they're they're in there. They're they're talking about they're coming up on you know. Oh Jesus! Oh, the Druid is coming Druid, yeah. up. You know. Yeah. I've taken the opportunity to 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 tell. Dark Helmet, the Dark Helmet comes in and says, well, I'll, I'll call. Yes. <laughs> I can't breathe in this thing. And, of course, it's Rick Moranis in this yeah. oversized Giant. helmet. <laughs> but look, trying to look intimidating yeah. like Darth Vader, but Rick Moranis is the opposite yeah, of intimidating. Yeah, because he's a little dude, right? Yeah. It's, uh, but, yeah, well, I'm going to tell, I'll tell Scroob. He says, I've already taken the opportunity to do that. And he's like, oh, okay. He's quite pissed off. Yeah. Uh, and it turns around on him and it gets, gets out his ring and we see the... The Schwartz here the Schwartz. for the first time. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're not going to do the, the thing? And he holds yeah. up his hands to his throat because yeah. you know, Darth Vader yeah, crushes that dude. Strangle but, people. 
this is Mel Brooks. Shoots him in the crotch <laughs> and grinds his crotch a bit. <laughs> he falls over and the guards drag him out. And he's holding his crutch the whole time. <laughs> Which then is a joke that constantly repeats that whenever he gets grumpy, they all like grab their crutch. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, but isn't it so great, this like idea of dark helmet and he's like got this enormous helmet on and he can't breathe in and he keeps like popping it down at deliberately at different times, right? Like it's a great joke. Um, so they, they kind of basically reveal their, their plot point literally to us, uh, by saying that they're going to, if they go to Druidia, Druidia? Yeah, Druidia. Yeah. And, uh, take the princess that then the king will have to like give over the air of the planet and give them the codes, I think, to the planet to, to take all their air. So it's like going to be a ransom kind of concept. And that, and they literally turn to camera. Did you get that? Uh, so there's like a breaking of the fourth wall there in terms of like talking to us, the audience, which again, like, you know, within, within 10 minutes of this film, we've had the music repeat itself, which is funny. We've had the text tell us you don't need to, you you won't need glasses if you can read this. We've had the, like on the back of the spaceship, the bumper sticker, and then now breaking the fourth wall. So I've got to say like any critic out there that gets to like 10 minutes of space balls and has a problem like literally Mel Brooks is is like winking and nudging you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can imagine him sitting next to you going, you get that this is a comedy film, you know, like don't take this seriously, you know, like, so I, I always, I always kind of get a little bit upset if someone has a beef over a film like this, because literally within 10 minutes, you've had like three punchlines, you know, like Mel Brooks giving you a little nudge. A little, or a, like a, <laughs> or, or a slap on the back and say, this is a comedy. You know, don't take it too seriously. Enjoy um, it. Enjoy it. So uh, Scroob, who is the president, he's played by Mel Brooks, um, sends villainous Stark Helmet to complete this task uh, with the big ship that's called Spaceball One. Uh, and it's commanded by Colonel Sanders. Uh, Dark Helmet is he's he's quite incompetent and silly, and we we learn this very quickly because he doesn't know where the radar is, Mister Radar, <laughs> and uh, he Coffee. goes over Mister Coffee. Uh, you know, and there's a couple of jokes about that. Um, and as Sari said, he zaps uh, the balls or the crutch of people that are on the other side. Um, so they're heading off to Druidia and Druidia. Yep. <laughs> I don't think I can say that word tonight. Uh, I could say it easier today, but I can't say it tonight. Uh, before they can arrive, of course, Vespa is having her wedding day and she's walking to, down the to aisle. Prince Valium. To Prince Valium, who's like, can't. I'm assuming that's a play off the comic Prince Valiant. Yes. Yes. And he's just yawning because he's on Valium, right? Yeah, he's, he's he wants boring. to sleep, he's right? Sleeping. He's bored. And anyway, and she's walking. me yawn so often. Whenever he was yawning, I'm like, I know. Oh, oh, Anyway, she's walking down the aisle. Everyone's happy, and she then like pauses. I don't think I can marry this man, Dad. And Dad's like, "Oh, you got to marry him. He's the only prince left." And she's like, "Okay." And they take up more steps. No, I don't think I can marry him. You know, and everyone's like, "Ugh," you know. And uh, I love when they do this in comedies as well, like where the people stop on these social etiquette moments. You know, because people don't do that, do they? Like, you don't see a bride walk down the aisle. Was and it in, stop? in the more serious movies, she'd just be whispering at the side yeah, of her mouth. Yeah, but they actually stop. But be, No, but also it's like the joke of like a royal family. Like a royal family could stop a wedding. Yes. Because everyone's just like, eh, oh, okay, is she going through it? No, she's not. You know, like we're all here for them, right? We're being paid because of them. So anyway, that's a good a good joke. 
Uh, and he's a, she's about to get married, but she bolts it out the door uh, with Dot Matrix, who's this kind of golden <laughs> female robot voiced by Joan Rivers. Uh, and she's got roller skates, so she's just behind her. And they get into this like Mercedes. Pretty cool prop what they get into, isn't it? Like yeah, it's about that, to take off. That was made special for yeah. this film as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a, you, like I was thinking, geez, Elon Musk got to take note of this. It's about to take off. You don't see it take off. Uh, and then it's out in outer space. Uh, we cut to then a Winnebago. Some rock <laughs> and roll music playing. Rock and roll music flying through space. Uh, and we get coming on this like big fat dog man creature singing along, eating like a huge big bucket of dog food. Dog food. <laughs> uh, and he gets interrupted by Lone Star, the captain, uh, played by Bill Pullman. At the back of their Winnebago, it says, I love your Uranus. Uranus, yes. Funny. Always have <laughs> ah, Uranus ah, joke. Yep. Um, anyway, they get this video call. Look, this has got to be, you know, if you ask me what's one of the best bits in this movie, I think this, yeah. right, is is Pizza the Hut. Because it's so gross. Him, you called him Pizza the Hut. Like everyone, Pizza, uh, pizza Jabba the Hut. <laughs> Jabba the Hut. He's singing Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah. like, I remember as a kid, <laughs> it's, like, it's the obvious joke. Yeah. And so he did it. Yeah. And there's this big mountainous <laughs> bubbling pizza talking yes. with a big tongue. And little beady little eyes coming out of there. Now, I don't and know his, if his the... robot companion, who is a Max Headroom takeoff yeah. from MTV, yeah. But I also don't know if that's Bill Murray, right? Like, I don't... It doesn't give Bill Murray any credit in this film, but it feels like that's Bill Murray. But I don't know if Bill Murray would have done that for nothing. Well, you know what I mean? Well, there's Dom DeLuise in the pizza, the hut costume. Yeah, I don't know. He's always in... It'd be interesting if... Maybe I'm wrong and maybe online you can see it, but I, I, I tried looking at it and they don't mention that character in the credit list and I just wonder if it's Bill Murray. Yeah, now you say it does have that sort of feeling. It does. It had, I've, I was just, my, my intuition was saying Bill Murray. Yeah, your science fiction <laughs> intuition. Yeah, my space brain was like throbbing over Bill Murray, okay? But pizza the... <laughs> Is that like how cool is that costume? Is it's it's real, right? It's real, the, the and it's slopping, dude. it's slopping off, and there's pepperoni like well, falling a, down a the mouth. Fell on his mouth, and the, yeah. the guy picks it up and takes a bite. It's, 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 it's real like, pepperoni, and he says, "Oh, you're so tasty!" Like, you know, like, and, and he's supposed to be a robot. Yes, he's supposed know? to be a robot, but he still ate the pepperoni. But I love that. Anyway, it turns out the Lone Star owns pizza that owes owes not owns. Owes Pizza the Hut a million st- Starbucks. Starbucks. Now, did Starbucks exist? No, it was nine- Space Bucks. Yeah. Space Bucks. Yeah, Space right. Bucks, yeah. Right, I was going to get down to a path that doesn't exist. Let's move on. Uh, Roland, who's the king, uh, contacts uh, Lone Star and uh, Morg and um, asks them to save Vespa. I'll do anything if you just save her. And they say, what about a million space bucks? Yeah, and then he goes, he tries to negotiate, of course. <laughs> Having just said that he would do anything, and they, they confirmed anything, anything, anything. happened a million dollars. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, you know, you're, you're breaking up a little bit here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he says, yes, okay, anything, a million dollars. Oh, and that, that way... No, oh, and that white Mercedes, just you bring that back. You <laughs> bring can. that back. Try to save the Mercedes. Yeah. I got it from my cousin who's a dealer. He got yeah. me a great... 
I don't. It's they, a, they did a couple of those jokes. Like he says it in that line. And there's another line in it where he says that my deal is the best deal in the universe and the valley. Like meaning the valley is in LA. Yeah, and uh, like they did a couple of, oh, he's the best guy in the valley and the universe. You know, like <laughs> again, breaking that wall down. Uh, so, so Lone Star reaches Vespa yes. and they save her. Yeah, from the, the tractor beam. This is where Bath jams the signal with yeah. a literal jam jar. Jam, and we see Michael Winslow doing his little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dark Helmet says, I can't believe... You. The only one person who would give me the raspberry would be... <laughs> Lone Star. Lone Star. Uh, so they rescue both her and Dot and then escape. Um, Spaceball, then uh, Spaceball 1, the ship follows them. They go into hyperactive... They, they engage hyperactive. Get the hyperdrive hyper- ready. The hyperdrive is ready. Go hyperactive. Go hyperactive. And so it's pretty much what we expect. It's, the, you know, like light speed flashing. And uh, Spaceball 1, uh, Dark Helmet says, you know, we need to catch them. Uh, can we go, you know, light speed? And uh, is it go ludicrous speed. And no one's ever gone ludicrous speed before. Too dangerous. Too dangerous. I, I don't said. care. I Just don't care. Do it. Just do it. Well, put on your seatbelt. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, seatbelt, schmeat belt. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, and so they engage ludicrous speed, and instantly, you know, uh, dark helmets like dangling, hanging <laughs> on for dear life as his legs fly up, and everything starts flying back to the end of the packet passage, and all and the, the over- stars, the stars go streaking. Yeah, and then. They, they change colours <laughs> as they go faster and faster. They reach ludicrous speed. And then they enter plaid yeah. as these, these stars sort of start doing this formation. Mm. And, yeah, this, so this plaid spaceship goes past. Uh, it's the, great the 80s special effects, yeah, was, isn't it? Like, it, it reminded me of playing arcade computer games, you know? Like, it was very neutral. And they go, oh, what are they? That's the, they've overshot us by a week and a half. Yeah, by, by, by next week. <laughs> yeah, so they, they pull out, and but they're out of fuel, mm. and they've got to land. They've got to land. So they land uh, on a desert planet. and The desert just, moon of Vega. Of Vega. And you, you can only bring what you absolutely need to survive. Mm. Yeah, they have a bit of a confrontation. Hey, and that my, because Tanya and I, my wife and I watched this together last night, like, we talked about that luggage, like that luggage kit that she had. Yeah. How 80s was that luggage kit? Like, you know, it's like a trunk, it's a it's uh, carpet, suit. Carpet bag. Carpet thing, bag thing. And then there's a couple of, you know, like handbags and, and a smaller bag. Like it was the kind of thing people want on the prices, right? Yes. And and also it was all like flower arrangement. And you like you lugged it. Like what? At what point in the 80s was that the be-all and end-all of, like, a luggage... Like, everyone had a, a matching luggage kit, right? Yes. Like, it's it's like ludicrous luggage kit. It's 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 crazy, eh? Well, it's the, yes. I mean, luggage now is, is a little bit more... It's so much more practical now. Practical like, no one... Did has would, wheels on it always. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a little thing that's ruined. It creates a joke, but I just wanted to make that as a little note. They're the finally fighting. It's too heavy, so they open up. There's this huge, hair super dry. hot hairdryer. Mm. <laughs> they're in the middle of a desert, Yeah, of course. Uh, so very 80s, you know, hairdryer. Which says, you know, I, well, I can't live without it. Mm. Um, so you than, carry it. <laughs> they can. They continue on into the blazing sun until they're finally, like, all gasping for water, water. And mm. Barf has got his big tongue hanging out. Yeah. And, 
the the droid then, comes past and says oil oil and then the princess comes past and says room service room <laughs> service because she's so out of touch with yeah. reality <laughs> and then they ca- the men are carrying the women and you know like Barf is saying I can't go on I can't do anymore and he's like one more June oh you said that three Junes ago <laughs> and there's just like no I can't I can't and collapses and then he he really collapses with a thud I really wonder if that was one of those moments of like good acting where he just collapses a thud and really hurt himself yeah. um because it was bill pullman really did like a thud into the into the earth and of course then we have these little creepy creatures come along ding, in the little which there's a guy that's one of these dudes i don't know his name he's one of the actors he's in bad santa and um uh and and Santa Claus later on, uh, so he's still been doesn't look any different to me. Like looks the same age. Like it's amazing as an age, uh, but but it's like wow. Like you know, would this be politically correct these days? Ding, ding. I ding, love, ding, ding. What I really like is the fact that there was just it was clearly they didn't even bother making up a language <laughs> of these these Jawa creatures yeah. or Ewok. You know, it, that's what they were sort of going for. They were, yeah. It was just dink, dink, dink. And then they dink, 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 and, dink. And this is a, one of those moments that I remember being confused as a kid because the, the they're basically identical to the creatures in Star Wars 1 mm. that attack Luke um, when he's gone off and, and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi saves him, right? Yeah. Uh, but in this film, they're good guys. So I'm just going to say, like, from a kid point of view, when I was thinking it was all the one universe, I was confused. confused. I was very confused. Because here they're helpful. <laughs> yes, here they're helpful. Just... Here they're connected to yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> In Star Wars, they've got nothing to do with Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm very confused. <laughs> yes. And, and, well, then we get, of course, the Dark Helmet having to report in to Scroob. Mm. And Scroob goes through his beam me up. And teleports through and he's backwards and he says, oh, why is my bum so big? And he gets beamed back the right way. <laughs> the he says, no, right stuff it. I'm walking it. Yeah, it's right next door. <laughs> just through the door. <laughs> but mind you, people would do that. I mean, how people, are, how how lazy are people in anyway, technology? Uh, if I had a teleporter in this uh, studio here, the teleport would be back in my... Uh, yeah, say goodnight to your children. Can I teleport there? Yes. Okay, I would. Yeah, off we go. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so he, he tells them, comb the desert. Yeah, <laughs> and when I heard that, of course, you hear that and you go, having watched the movie up to this point, you just go, oh, God, no, no, yes. They're literally <laughs> they just got large combs. Gigantic combs dragging yeah. them on the desert. And this is a, a great 80s moment. You don't hear this in films. This film has two lines of dialogue that just make it so 80s. And this moment, is it, there's, you've got one lot of soldiers combing mm. and they say, have you found anything? They go, no, sir. And they go, what about you? platoon two and they're like coming there no sir and he goes what about platoon three have you found anything and he goes we ain't found shit, oh, found shit. <laughs> and there's because there's another line later where barf goes holy shit <laughs> like when uh vespa like just mows down a whole bunch of soldiers um and yeah you just don't get that in modern day dialogue no, you don't get that holy but shit I love, factor. I love also dark helmet is wearing his pith helmet his yeah. safari helmet. <laughs> safari so it's exactly <laughs> the same as his dark helmet but it's it looks like one of those 
uh, you know, great white <laughs> hunter, you know, eighteen hundreds. Sort of has a weird British, smile on it, like it does. Yeah, British yeah. hunter's helmet or whatever the hell they are. I don't know. Like, but it's a good joke, isn't it? Because in Star Wars, they do ch- change terrain, and they suddenly have these different uniforms, right? Yes. Yeah, so and then, so in here, it's like so abstract that Darth or Dark Helmet is like he's the one that's changed. The others haven't really changed. No, they're all still wearing the same. Yeah. Ones, and he's just got into his different. <laughs> He's got his 18th century English hunter. Explorer's I'm hunting costume. explorer conscious. Yeah, oh, I goodness knows. I don't know what that's called. Pit helmet and khakis or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they go on and they... Um, to find yogurt. That's right. They find yogurt because that's where the dinks take and, them. And we get the whole... It just sounds awful when dinks, but they take them there. There's this great big yogurt statue. Wizard of Oz deal. Yeah, you know, it is very Wizard of Oz. Blast of fire and puffing of smoke at mm. the ears. And then... <laughs> Mel Brooks, he's just on his knees. He's, he's on, on his, his knees, knees with his shoes on. It's like, no. like that's just like that's an old. I don't know what era joke that's from, but that's a that's an old prop joke. There's a bit of prop humor in this. Well, it's in general, it's like 1930s, isn't it? Like yeah, 1930s, 40s comedy. Really. Yeah, it's like it's, I'm a, I'm just going to go on my knees. Yeah, it's he just highly shuffles out on his knees yeah. and and then yeah does his little. Bits and pieces, you know. Uh, Talking about merchandise. Yeah, what do I do here? Merchandise. Merchandise. It's all about the merchandise. <laughs> yeah, he's just like Spaceballs, the, the lunchbox, Spaceballs, the cereal, Spaceballs, the t shirt, Spaceballs, the, the flamethrower. Flame the kids yeah. really love that one. Kids love that flamethrower. Yeah, and, and, uh, and he, this is where he gets his, his medallion. And then he goes, Oh, you can read it. <clears throat> no, sorry, I just cleared my throat. <laughs> Which is again, that's a sort of a throwback to the rabbi reading the the old scriptures. If you've ever seen these myst, you know, mysterious um, spiritual movies where they have like you know some old rabbi yeah, yeah. talking about the spirits of something or other, mm. they they speak in the old the Yiddish, old tongue, the old, old tongue. Yiddish or Hebrew or whatever it is, which, yeah. which tends to be a bit guttural in ways. <laughs> um. So we kind of go from that world to helmet combing and they haven't found anything, but then they discover Yogurt's lair. Um, and so he decides to lure out Vespa. Um, so it's night time and he pretends to be Roland and, and it succeeds. She comes out going, daddy, daddy, you know, what's wrong, daddy, you know? And, uh, they, they, he captures her and, you know, takes off to planet Spaceball. Oh, and we forgot one of the great bits where they're watching their own video. Of the movie. We did. Yes, the, that was the movie's it's come out before we finished filming. And so they're watching the film and they fast forward past That's right. the funny yeah. That's how they found them. And then they what? stop and, and see the part of the film where they're watching themselves watching yeah. the film. Yeah. And yeah, that's just. Again, that's, that's a bit of a, a comedy about the fact that the movie, the story of the telling of the movie and the art mm. of the movie is not important. No. They're going to get it out as fast as they can. They get yeah. the merchandising out like, as fast as they how can. How do we find them? Why don't we just watch the movie? What do you mean? The Spaceballs movie. But that hasn't come out yet. Yeah, we're, still, <laughs> we're in the middle of filming it. No, but there's new technology. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, so, yeah, anyway, and they, they take off and they force Roland to give them the code to that shield, which means they can get access to the... the uh, and what's the code? The, the, the code Do you from remember his, it? Because it's hard. One, 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 two... Two. Three. 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 Four. 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 Five. Five. What? I, that's a sort of combination an idiot would put on his luggage. <laughs> a 
And then yes. President Scrooge comes yes. in and goes, what's Why? the code? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, he's an idiot. That's what I've got on my luggage. <laughs> change my luggage. Change my luggage. <laughs> yes. It's a good joke, that one. Um, Helmet and Sandu's take Spaceball 1 to Druidia. Lone Star and Bath uh, decide, decide sorry, to rescue Vespa and Dot from the prison. Uh, when they go there, a big shootout happens uh, and they are captured on the way out. But it is their stunt doubles. That is such a great moment in the plot, isn't it? It's like, you've captured them. We're done. And they go, no, you idiots. You've captured their stunt doubles. And that guy was, was doing <laughs> the, the gloating yeah. evil commander so well. Yeah, I know. So you thought you could just come in here <laughs> yeah. and escape. Now turn around so I can see you. Yo, you idiots. You've got the stunt doubles. <laughs> uh, anyway, they're like fleeing. Uh, out to the spaceship. Um, when they arrive at Druidia, Spaceball 1 transforms into this Mega Mage. He's a Transformer! Yes. Uh, and there's a big, there's a big sh- slow transformation process. Yeah, there is. It goes on and on. And uh, she's kind of like a Statue of Liberty. Yes, but Statue of Liberty. Kind of robotic maid. Mega with a maid, big yes. vacuum cleaner. Uh, and the vacuum cleaner is activated. Set her to suck. Suck. <laughs> and uh, begins to suck. And this is a really cool effect that, again, is lost these days because of, you know, computer special effects. But they literally, you know, like snow and ice come off a mountain. The trees get sucked up. And it's all props. It's all, you know, little tiny things that they're they're playing with. But it, it looks really cool. I really like it's, it. It's very, the mountain one in particular yeah. is very good. Um, and so once, uh, yeah, when the vacuum is almost full, that's when Lone Star and that rock up and they kind of go, well, we've got to, you know, attempt some sort of plan to destroy this and get the air back. Um, and so they decide that, yeah, okay, we can enter the, the maid and do it. But before that we need to, you know, reset the system. And that's where Bath says to Lone Star, well, use the Schwartz. Jesus. And so he does and manages to turn it from suck to blow. Oh, my God. Mega May's gone from suck to blow. Because <laughs> the other thing was when it was suck, the the uh, dark helmet, they were like, suck, suck, suck. Which <laughs> <laughs> is quite funny. Um, uh, yeah, so once the air is returned, you know, Roland and that's Roland like, oh, I can breathe again, you know. Um the group then enter Mega Maid in the, through the ear hole. Kind of. the, yeah. And, <laughs> and they, they, they're flying through. This is the... It's the, a cavity thing. Flying through the, 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 yeah. the channel in, yeah. in the in Death Star. Star Wars, yeah. And they're flying through and says, well, we just got to find... Out of nowhere, and you get this... You got to find movies. the self-destruct, yeah. Oh, the, the self-destruct mechanism should be somewhere in the brain region. And you're like, what, why would you say that? What yeah. makes you, where did you get that information from? But how many movies have you watched mm. where... You don't even notice the fact that they just come up with this information, yeah, and they work off it as if it's the truth, yeah. And it's just someone says, "Well, I suppose it must be kind of like this." Yeah, that's and right. And it turns out that's exactly what it is like. That's exactly go, what it's like. Okay, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> there must be a self-destruct button in the ear. Okay, there must be. Let's go to the ear. You know, like and, and sh- but sure enough, there is. And there he, is. <laughs> he uses his Schwartz or his Vulcan nerve pinch, which he got too high yeah. and he's adjusted down low, and then he. He wants to break in there. He uses the, gets into the room. Uses the Schwartz to grab the shaving cream. And the guy turns and says, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> uh, 
what this, I don't understand the whole shape. Yeah. Sprays it in his eyes and his in mouth. His mouth. <laughs> he goes, oh, and falls over backwards. But uh, yeah, the dark helmet rocks up. Dark sorry, helmet gets there before he can mm. activate the self destruct. And, and it's my their, Schwartz is as big as yours. Sorry, Schwartz off. They have this lightsaber <laughs> duel, which is just the the same movements over and over yeah. again. But I was watching. They take that, out a crew member. I was watching that. Noticing they're just going, you know, up the top, down the bottom. Or mm. And I thought, it actually looks fine. Like, for yeah, all these modern action films with these fancy pants, Matrix-style, mm. you know, yeah, combat yeah. and yep. choreography, that that actually looks fine. Looks fine, yeah. Like, yep. Yep. yeah, they're sort of just going, doing the same sort of two movements, and the camera was just moving around a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, geez, a lot of films could save a lot on choreography if yep. they just did something like that. They're know? really cool. And they, they kill really a crew do. member. Yeah, they kill a crew member, take out some, you know, materials in the room. Uh, and just as Dark Helmet is about to, you know, he knocks win. the ring off. About and to he win says about the father. The he says about the father rule. He grabs the, the shaving mirror, which <laughs> we know he had because the guy was shaving because of the shaving cream. Yeah. And reflects it back into, you know, Dark Helmet's nuts. And knocks him back and bangs the, the mm. self-destruct. Self-destruct button is zapped by his big helmet. Yeah, which for some reason, they've got a self-destruct button there, which is irreversible. So um, everyone, they flee, he flees. He flees, everyone flees, and then there's Colonel Sanders is calling for evacuation. Everyone go as soon the as... The circus. So yeah, <laughs> the petting zoo, leave, the circus, get out of here, the school. And sure enough, the mimes and the tumblers and the... Jugglers, Jugglers and the acrobats, and the, the bearded lady, the bear. They all... <laughs> they're all taken. And there's not enough... Um, Podgel. Escape pods. pods. Yeah. And finally, it's just Scrooge and Sanders and um, Dark Helmet left there. And they go, 20 seconds to self-destruct. Your last chance to press the cancel button. <laughs> what the hell? Cancel it. And they open it up and it's just out of order. It says, even yeah. in the future, nothing works. <laughs> yes. And she also like counts to like, doesn't she go eight, eight, six, six, and they go, what about seven? Oh, I was only joking. Seven, (laughs) seven, six. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And once, um, yeah, so they. Mega May explodes. Mega May explodes. The head goes flying off into the distance. Lone Star and that just get out in time. And then it's the, uh, it's the wedding. The the Lone Star leaves and Vesper's going to have the wedding. Vespa's back marrying Valium. Prince Valium is there. She's saying, oh, I can't believe Lone Star just left. With a million dollars. Yeah, it's bullshit. And then we cut to Lone Star and Bath coming across this diner out in the the, middle of the You notice the Millennium Falcon is parked at the diner along with all of the uh, Winnebago's. and And they go in and it's kind of this saucy, sexy diner place. It's a bit weird, actually. And... uh, uh, Barf orders the special, and um, and then his tail is going up someone's, you know, one yeah. of the other girls' skirts and stuff. So it's a, it's a weird scene that I found that was seen a bit weird. Then all of a sudden, John Hurt, yes. and you notice like because you know we've seen Alien a lot, but even though because we've also analysed it here, it's like they they're all like eating and they're talking and it's they're a, like, it's, it's the exact, exact same, same sort of scene. scene and same even the woman is like looks like Sigourney Weaver, right? Yeah. And um, and then John Hurt starts like. <sighs> You know, <laughs> this is great. And the, the and alien, the alien pops out. out. Yeah, and then he looks at him and goes, 
oh no, not again. Yeah. Which, when you go, oh yeah, because he was an alien. But if you actually think about in the film, yeah. this guy's had this happen before. Yeah. Yeah. What's the line? Oh no, not again. I know. It's just bursting. How many times has this burst out of your stomach exactly? And Bob's like, did he have the special, I don't want, cancel my order. Hello, my darling. Hello, And then my he baby. starts, Hello, yeah. Right, the alien does a weird like uh, dance routine thing. Anyway, so he dances along and that's what happened. And then at the same time, we cut back to Vesper, who's basically saying, I don't want to get married. And her father's going, that's the only prince left. There's nothing, there's nothing to choose from. Right, and the, the celebrant's getting a bit testy. Celebrant's annoyed. It keeps pausing this, this wedding. And anyway, then, Lone Star hops back into the, uh, you know, because they, they didn't eat. They hop back into their um, Winnebago. And they learn that the debt to the pizza, the hut, has been nullified because he's died. Yes. He, he had to eat him. Yeah, he got trapped in his trapped limo in and limo ate himself. Ate yeah. himself. And uh, anyway, he also learns that through the cookie that Yogurt had given him earlier, Barf opens it and it's a little message that says, oh, the figure on your neck actually does say that you are a prince, basically. Yes, yeah, so you're a certified prince. Yeah, you're a certified prince, so that means you can marry... Princess it, it didn't Vespa. explain of no, where or didn't explain. Anything anything. Like He's like, no. I'm a prince. So when Vespa's then about to get married to Prince Valium, he rocks in wearing his white prince's outfit, <laughs> wearing a special outfit, and says, "Well, I am a prince. You can marry me." And so they basically do. They run off together. They get married, and that's the end of Spaceballs. Or end. is it? Yeah, there's no. I don't think there's a sequel coming up to that one. They wanted to make a sequel. Yeah, uh, as mentioned in Yogurt says, yeah, oh, well, yeah, I'm sure I'll see you on Spaceballs 2 to search for more money. <laughs> That's right. Um, no, but they did They did many, many years later. Um, I think MGM, who produced this film uh, in around 2000, I think uh, what I read was, was they were very keen. Mel Brooks was talking to them. They had conversations, but then it just kind of never went any further. So, what about your preference? This is a regular film, Surrey, on our regular ladder. Where should someone watch it? If they look at our list and they ah, start at number one and they kind of go through the list, where does Spaceballs fit into your list? I, where, where, what's I've the order? Between, I've got it number 18 there, between Gantz, Zero, and Surrogates. Mm. Okay, so, excellent. So, you've gone Paul. Mm. Yeah, you've got that sort yeah, of comedy. Yeah, yep, yep. Then you've gone Gantz, which is, is not comedy, but no. it's, it's quite peculiar. Yep. And then you're gonna, just going to line that up again with a bit of space balls before Sarah gets to kind of be mm. serious again. Yep. And we move on down. You're not going to get any real comedy until you hit Gora. Yeah. For the next one down there. <laughs> but, uh, I think you do. You need a bit of a palate cleanse yeah. between space balls and Gora because they're, they're similar in the way they treat many things. Yes. Uh, but you, you've got a few things there. You've got the thing. You've got prospect. Uh, and yeah, that's going to keep you, you know. On your toes. Yeah, totally. Fair enough. For me, it's almost like right in the middle of our list or my order. Um, So above it, I've got replicas. Below it, I've got Darkest Dawn. The way I positioned Spaceballs was more thinking that what I said earlier tonight or early on this episode was that you need a bit of context. So Mm -hmm. if you're coming in and you're not a major science fiction person or you are, but you follow through and you watch my first 19 suggestions and you get up to replicas, then it's time for Spaceballs. <laughs> yes, <I mean, laughs> so that, that's what I kind of wire positioned it in there. I mean, ultimately, uh, I only watched Star Wars again not that long ago, about six months ago with my two sons. Um, and it was the first time they have ever seen it. And I think ultimately you probably need to watch Star Wars as well. Like, And we haven't done that yet. 
But uh, because if you just watch it, you kind of like laugh at how closely it's connected to Star Wars. Uh, but I just kind of chucked it right in the middle. Not so much kind of comparing it to Replicas or The Darkest Dawn, but just kind of like if you sat down with my list and watched 1 to 20, then you get to Spaceballs. It kind of makes sense to now bring it in. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's, it's not, it's about middle for me as well. Yeah. There. It's no, 18 instead of number 20. Yeah, so that's good. It's sort of, yeah, right right in the middle. It's a, it's a solid um, base It's definitely to got still off. enough, you know, like we talked about The Princess Bride as a good example, comparable 80s movie. Like it pretty much is The Princess Bride, this movie in a way, but it's just in space instead of like fairy tales, right? Like mm. it's fairy tales in space, which people have said Star Wars is like fairy tales in space. It, it, it pretty much is. Like it pretty much is a fairy tale in space. And that's what Spaceballs is also like. So... Yeah, but it's good to have a bit of connotation to some of those other movies. You know, there is the connection to Planet of the Apes. There is a connection to um, The Wizard of Oz. There is a connection to Alien. There is a connection to Star Wars. You know, all throughout. And, and really also Indiana Jones in a way, hey? Like Lone Star is kind of Indiana Jones in, oh, in a well, context. Yeah. Like he's a I version like of it. When they ask where he's from, for if the, um, the monastery in the Ford Galaxy, yeah. I, I felt... I couldn't help find it. So it's, first of all, it's Harrison a car. Ford, yeah. It's a car joke. Yeah. But it's also Ford, Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford yeah. because he's playing the Han solo yeah. type car. Yeah. It was, that was a joke that definitely as a kid, I didn't know that was a joke. No, neither did I. From yeah. the Ford Galaxy. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 13-year-old Surrey is kind of like, okay. Yeah. He's just giving information. Mm. But... There's, there's no sentence in this that is just giving you information. No, that's right. Every, so every there's a good another layer there, isn't it's there? It's either a setup or it's a punchline. Yeah. It's, it's one or the other. So, so what? So yeah, definitely. There's, a, there's those multi-layers and you find that in these Mel Brooks movies, I think, is there's some good layering going on in mm. the comedy. Um, so what about, is there any layering of science in yes, this film? I'm, I'm Sorry. Previously, I've spoken about faster than light travel because mm. faster than light travel, ludicrous speed, it's... Wonderful. Now, cast your mind back to this thing called the Alcubierre Drive. Oh, right, yeah. So this was a... a it's not a um, uh, drive. It's a solution to a mathematical formula. Einstein, he came up with this thing, special relativity, which is a an equation, basically, which says for a given arrangement of uh, space and energy... Mm-hmm. then you have uh, an arrangement of space, time, right, uh, and energy. Yeah. Right? So uh, on one Makes side of the... Makes sense to so me. So if you want to have... Uh, on one side of the equation, you want to set up a situation where you have a, um, a warped area of space-time. And the reason you want to do that is because special uh, yeah, general relativity says you cannot... Accelerate up to and beyond space, uh, space speed, light speed. Yeah, that doesn't mean you can't have anything faster than the speed of light. Mm-hmm. But you can't get, you can't accelerate up to and beyond it. Right. Yeah. And the fastest thing we know of is photons, but that's mm-hmm. not to say that there's there's not the ability to move faster than light. Yeah. It's just that. Well, as we'll see, this fellow Miguel Alcubierre in Brazil, he says, well, let's grab this equation, which has, it's a two-sided, you know, it's, got two, it's got an equal sign in the middle and, and two bits on either side. One side, you go, well, I want um, a bit of space-time where in the middle it's flat without 
gradient. So if you're right. in that middle part, you can just move around like normal. Yeah. But let's say at the front of this, we have it all scrunched up really tight, and at the back, we we have it go out really wide. Okay. So you've got like a bubble yep. of normal space-time surrounded by like all scrunched up space-time and spread out the back. Okay. Yep. So imagine yep. a teardrop-shaped type of thing. Yeah. Uh, that, a balloon. That bubble there would mean that the people inside that bubble, mm-hmm. they're not traveling faster than the speed of light in relation to anything within their frame of reference. Okay. Because they're in this little bubble. Space-time around them is shifting. So the question is, what arrangement of matter and energy, because remember, matter and energy are basically the same thing. Matter and energy are what cause curvature and fluctuation of space-time. So like a black hole, for example, is a a massive mass Mm-hmm. With huge energy, and it and it warps space uh, space time down to a point where all sorts of weird shit happens. Yeah. So, what arrangement of sp- of of mass and energy would you need to form this bubble so that you could have people inside of it? And in theory, this would be able to then travel would not be restricted by this problem because you're not accelerating the people up to and beyond the speed of light. Yeah. You're shifting space time around them okay. faster than the speed of light, mm. but their own internal frame of reference is not going faster hence the whole term warp right basically warp space time around them so they're traveling in an isolated bubble okay as far as i can tell from what they say (laughs) it's i think it's it's highly mathematical and theoretical yeah the only problem with the alcubierre uh warp Mm -hmm. is in the what you need then is a whole bunch of matter and that's fine we've we've got Mm -hmm. plenty of matter but you need this stuff called negative energy so when you figure out, you go, I want this arrangement, and you put it in one side of the equation, it tells you what your energies are. You need another side, and it's massively negative energy. Right. We don't know what that means. Mm. Like, that's what's referred to as exotic matter, mm. which is to say it's someone that doesn't really, as far as we know, it doesn't exist, and we have no way of creating it. Yeah, right. But in theory, that satisfies the mathematical requirements. Mm. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. The next thing came along and says, but that's not physical. So how do we, how do we make this so that uh, we have a physical representation, not just mm. kind of this mathematical, um, hypothetical situation? Right. So these other guys came along. Who are they? Uh, oh, I've got to get their names because I always like to have these names. Here he is. Names are good. Uh, Alexei Bobrik and Gianni Martir. Of course. In September 2020. So Experts in the field. relatively recently. Yeah. Uh, they, have this, they came up with this paper here, which is um, their abstract reads as follows, because I'll just mangle it otherwise. So the Alcubierre warp drive is an exotic solution to general relativity. It allows for superluminal, as in fast and light travel, at the cost of enormous amounts of matter with negative mass density. For this reason, the Alcubierre warp drive has been widely considered unphysical. In this study, we develop a model of a general warp drive space-time in classical relativity that encloses all existing warp drive definitions and allows for new metrics without the most serious issue present in the Alcubierre solution. We present mm. the first general model for superliminal, uh, subliminal positive energy spherical, spherically symmetric warp drives. Mm. Short version is um, they sort of, and there's what follows is a number of pages of discussion, references to other things, some diagrams, 
uh, and mathematic notation of which I am unfamiliar. Well, it explains that, sorry. But the point of what they're getting across here is they start playing in different numbers because yeah. it's all just mathematics. So they start playing in different numbers and different um, telemetries and into a computer mm. until they manage to find a way so you don't need this um, negative energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is uh, slower than light speed. So this is what you would need to construct a bubble. Right. Uh, so, okay. and, and saying this is actually physical. This is real stuff. Let's build the bubble. It's, it's still kind of nonsense make-believe. However, there's this fellow, Eric Lentz. Uh, he's of the... Why, why can't these guys get funding to build the bubble butt? That's my question. Oh, because oh, I love the maths, right? Like, I'm into the maths. I'm, you know, it's, it, gets my, it gets my juices flowing. But why can't someone like Elon, Elon, Elon Musk... Give him some money to build the bubble. Build the bubble. Ah, well, see, it's wonderful here because <laughs> so Lentz, Eric Lentz, he wrote this paper and he said, okay, so let's find a way of taking this physical manifestation mm-hmm. and let's work out what we're going to need in order to do it. And so yeah. he, he came up with this idea of this sort of, you could change the uh, that model to how use these sort of standing waves. He changed sort of the mm. geometry a little bit more. Yeah. Again, this doesn't require... Now this doesn't require any... Bubble. This, this is all real stuff you could do. Yeah. A, you could get a bubble that wraps a 656-foot-wide spacecraft. So that's a big... Jeez, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. Traveling at the speed of light, it, it, would, it would require only roughly 100 times the energy contained in the mass of Jupiter, which... Um, okay, that sounds like a lot. So you'd a have to lot. get a hundred Jupiters and convert their <sighs> matter into yeah, energy. That's a shitload of energy. It is, but at the same time, it's a real amount of energy. Yeah, that's Previous true. Previous calculations true, have true. required basically all mm. the energy in the galaxy. Yeah. And this here is just three. But know, why can't they? Jupiters. Why can't this dude compute it to like you know nuclear energy or something? You know what I mean? Like so, so we could go. He could be like. Oh, it would be the energy of 10 nuclear bombs. You know what I mean? You go, okay. The number of Hiroshima bombs. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying, like, why can't he put it on Earth terms? Come on. Uh, well, um, so, well, it's interesting because we're talking about 100 of these. What What is the energy of Jupiter about? Like, what the hell is that? Well, like, I don't know what the... It's about 30 orders of magnitude higher than the power of a modern nuclear reactor. So... Yeah, this is what I'm saying. So why can't he just talk in, like, you know, layman's terms? Previous calculations have allowed for energy efficiency gains of about 60 orders of magnitude. So what he's saying here is mm. he's got this base here. Base point. Get some more brains in here. Mm. And the previous, uh, you know, I remember the original Alcubierre required all the galaxy, all the, the entire galaxy convert yeah. to energy. And then they found some efficiency gains in the way you shape stuff and this sort of, to bring down just the amount of energy in our solar system. Right. Which, right. okay, that's still wildly impossible. Yeah. But so what he's saying is that we, we can do the same sort of thing. We could bring it down to, you know, nuclear fission reactor mm. size quantities. I, th- I think this is where they're going wrong. This is why no one's giving them the money for the bubble because they're not speaking really in, in terms that we can understand, right? Like you go to a businessman and you say, oh, we need 100 Jupiters. They're like, what the, f- what the- like, how do I do that? 
Yeah. But if you turn around and How say, many Jupiters can I get for $100? If, if, if you turned around and said, we need 10 million solar panels, like I'm just saying, just saying yeah. as an exact, you know, as an abstract number to create the energy to rocket this, you'd be like, okay, well, a solar panel costs this much. That exactly. would cost trillions of dollars. Okay, we can't afford that, you know. Well, but well this is, this what, is what Eric Lenz is saying. He's yeah. saying, like, okay, so here's some maths which shows we, we now we've gone through a couple of generations of this mm. warp drive, and this is what excites me so much: is this we're moving further from fiction mm. and closer, closer to reality. Because yeah. if we can solve these equations with amounts of energy that, as you say, come down to the realms of yeah, a hundred Jupiters is is outrageous. But if it was down to something like uh, converting the mass of the moon. Yeah. You're starting to go, okay, well, there's still a, a science fiction sort of technology, but if we could come up with a way of doing that, mm. we've not our moon, but we've certainly got asteroid belts and stuff. Yeah. You know, like we're starting to, starting to see, That's right. maybe not humans, but you're starting to think, well, maybe actually aliens could be flying around mm. the place. Yeah. Because they are. One of the shapes that Eric Lentz points out as being the most effective is not, in fact, passengers sitting one behind each other like a train, yeah, but sitting around in a big disc flying the flat face first. Right. Because you want a big flat face with an, a, a slim, uh, a shallow body. Mm. So instead, okay, of a, instead of an airplane flying nose first, it's flying flat first, if you like. Yeah, yeah. In that way. That's cool. Which, if you think about flying saucers, they're yeah, often... Yeah. Described as, then they're not flying like sideways, no. like an airplane. They tend to go up and down, like well. Yeah. So you know, mm. he's thinking on those lines. It's yeah, entirely. And, and it's the sort of science that really excites me because, I yeah, in my lifetime, we're not going to see this happen. No, but I mean, like but the other, if they keep refining it. Yeah, and I know, I know this is not the same thing you're talking about in in terms of the actual technology, but I you know saw the. Oh, I don't know the name of it, but again, going back to Musk, they landed it the other day safely. And I know there's been a few explosions, but it kept the way, I don't know if you've seen the video, but it comes in instead of landing like a plane, it comes in bottom first and then tilts and lands like that. Oh, I haven't seen that one. And I've seen the, the SpaceX Falcon Yeah, it's not the space. It's not the space. No, this it's is not, the... This is... Oh, what this was it called? That's Starship. Starship. Yeah, and I mean, everyone's like, yeah, because it landed safely this time instead of exploding or whatever. And uh, but it, but but it's like, wow, that 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 is landing very, you know, like Hollywood style. You know what I mean? Like it's not landing the way we expect things to it's land. It's landing like a computer land. Yeah, things. yeah. Because a yeah. computer would just would just go, okay, well, we just yeah. need the simplest thing to do would be to apply thrust, yeah, along the longest axis, so we have the least amount of That's moving right. we have to do yeah, until yeah. the last minute mm. and then we'll change it into the broadest platform mm. to spread the you know distribute the the force out the, over the largest yeah. area so we can land it yeah, yeah it kind of rotates at that last whatever couple of hundred meters up in the sky it just suddenly goes flat and then lands mm. you know whereas we're used to an airplane kind of coming in and landing on its feet or whatever so i mean I, it's not to do with what you were actually talking about but just that final step of Science fiction becoming reality, I suppose. Yeah, you I, know, know, I so. love it. I was uh, somewhat similar, related to that same sort of thing. As I was watching the the latest like robot, this robot dog thing. They always have this oh, ball yeah, leg yeah. with yeah. wheels. Instead, they're going well. We've been focusing on having you know legs. Feet, yeah, so yeah. it's go walking, and it's got so it still have the legs, but it's got like wheels on the yeah. end of its legs. Yeah, yeah. Which it can then 
individually rotate. So it could yeah. hold them steady and use yeah. them like feet. Yeah, yeah. Or let them roll a bit. Yeah. Uh, which they said was really good because it means then if it puts its foot down where it's unstable, mm. like it, it has the wheel solid like a foot, but it's a bit unstable, it can let it roll a little bit mm. into a more stable position rather than yeah. having to pick the foot up again, move it and put it back down again, which yeah. is what you have to do. And that's a very computerized concept because humans, we don't have rollable feet no. bits. <laughs> and so you're watching this robot move and the way it moves, it doesn't look like any depiction in science fiction mm. because the depictions in science fiction are humans Human trying vision. to make... <laughs> A robot move. Yeah. This is the way a computer does it, which is yeah. all like you said. It's like that spacecraft landing, and yeah. you know, you're introducing these sorts of things. You know, the um, the, the warp drive having like a big flat space because the computer mm. would be modeling all this and say, okay, we need this. It needs to be this shape. Yeah. This is the most energy efficient way of doing it. That's right. This is how much space we can have, That's and right. here's how it has to move. Mm. And it won't be moving the way a human aesthetically pleases yeah, yeah. to have it move yeah. instead it, it's going to move the way a computer determines is the most optimal usage That's of right. energy yep. and space yep. and all the rest of it yeah. yeah so it's very interesting isn't it like those changes definitely yeah right okay so so you're talking about the hyperdrive uh well, do you think that's possible back to space balls you know this idea of ludicrous speed yeah, well, it'd be interesting because what would it look like if you're inside one of these bubbles mm. when you scrunch space up in front of you? Mm. Would you get uh, you know an equivalent stretching out of stars shape? Yeah. Would you get uh, a shifting? Would you be able to see through this bubble? Who? Who? I mean, this is a good question to think about. Maybe we need to come back to in the future. Who came up with that for Hollywood of stars stretching? Yeah. Hyperspeed, you know, because it's it's in Star Trek. And Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, and, and other films have used it, right? So we need to backtrack and see when did that begin and did someone come up with that? Who was yeah, the person Was that actually scientifically based or is that just someone going, this yeah. would look cool? Because mm. I do know on, on a lot of, uh, I'm talking more 90 films, we've done it. Demolition Man is a good example. I, Robot, they, do, they, have, they quite often employ a person to, they call them a futurist. Yes. And they kind of like, so you've got the script and you've got the props and blah, 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 but they hire these people to kind of say, oh, but you know, in this future, phones would look like this or the fashion might be like this or the cars would be mm. like, you know, like to kind of logically set a time and place. So I wonder if someone came up with that or was it just a real simple decision? Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, we can do this effect. It looks good. Yeah, it looks cool. Because I know there are, there are <laughs> looks like of, stars flashing before your eyes. There are eyes. plenty <laughs> of movie effects which do just come from a special effects person saying, "Well, I figured out how to do this special effect, and it looks cool." In fact, uh, what's his no name? No one's seen it before. Uh, Clive Barker. Mm. He wrote a film script based all around the fact that his movie props guy came up to him and said, "I figured out a way to turn someone inside out through their anus." <laughs> Which, you know, is horrifying because I think he's a horror director. Yeah, yeah. And so Clive Barker went, ooh, I could use that. Yeah. And he wrote a film around it. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he already had some ideas of a film. Yeah, right? yeah. But when he heard that, that was the inspiring so we bit. we can do that? Went, okay. Oh, I know exactly how this has to be used. So that was just like a special effect that turned into mm. whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering, there, I do know there are other films out there like yeah, where yeah. they went, well, we could make dinosaurs look pretty realistic with computer graphics these days. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Let's make a dinosaur film. Mm. Yeah, well, that's what Spielberg did yeah. with Jurassic Park, right? So, yeah. 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 Which which came first? Mm. Hyperspeed or the effect? I know. It's a good question. 
All right, well, that kind of brings us to the end of Spaceballs for our Space Brains episode. Uh, let us know what you thought about what we thought about Space yeah, do Balls. You, do you agree that it's a movie that you're sort of watching and as you talk about it more and more, you start realising there are some really funny bits? Mm. And actually, as, as I said, came back as an adult and I watched it and I was like, actually, this is really well done. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. It's... It's as I said on the surface, you go, it's a crap movie, mm. like like it's it's just really bad. Like, but when you watch it, you realize, you know, actually, that took this is a really well made yeah, movie yeah, to look like it's this. A, he's, it's he's, a clever, he's it's a clever it, crafted, yeah, crafted it to be just like this. This is yeah. not through sloppy work or no. being a bad writer or a bad no. director. This is actually from it's being a deliberate. good writer mm. and a good director. Yeah, uh, it's like when actors act like they can't sing very well. Yeah. You know they do because all the actors have done their freaking singing training That's and right. dancing training and all the rest of it. They're That's all right. triple threats. But they pretend like they can't. You have to be very good at pretending to be able to sing better. It's harder to pretend that you're not good yes. versus you are good. <laughs> so what's our next episode? Alligator. It's another 80s movie. Who wrote this one? Do we it know him? came out in 1980. We do know him. John Sayles, the brother... From another planet, yes. Uh, he didn't direct this one, whereas he directed that. Uh, Lewis Teague directed Alligator. It's about a baby alligator flushed down the sewer and then survives off rats that have been like chemically altered by a science lab or something like to that. Make huge. Um, I did watch this film many, many moons ago, but I'm really excited to watch it with this kind of closer eye to it. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I, I saw this. Back in the 80s, it yeah. would have been one of those seven movies for seven dollars for seven yes. days. You know, and we just kind of, and it's, I, I remember at the time thinking, I, because I, I love monsters eating people, yeah, I don't know what too. it is about that. It's, it's just, cool. it, 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 something speaks to me about people being eaten. So, yeah, yeah, check us out, see, let us know, reach out, tell us what we're doing right with space balls. Uh, and what you thought about space balls, you can hit us up on uh, Gravity Undone. Uh, you can find us on social media, Facebook sites, Instagram, Twitter. Just look for Space Brains Podcast. Just Google Space Brains Podcast and you will find us. And until next time, Bye. see ya. May the Schwartz be with you. May the Schwartz be with you. Bye.